I really believe there was no time to possibly think in that place because of the noise. So we need these hashtag pockets of peace to be embedded in our physical structures, to be embedded in our schedule and the way we think about designing our space and our schedule so that we have time to think, we have time to reflect, we have time to plan and strategize and be intentional about how we're working and how we're leading. Welcome to CEO on the Go, the show about personal and professional growth for busy leaders like you. I'm Gail Lance, and I'm here to help you think differently, solve big problems, and inspire change. It's tough to do on your own and even with a team, but it is possible. So let's get started. Welcome to this special episode of CEO on the Go. I'm really glad that you're here today. This episode came about in an unusual way, as you'll see. I discovered this amazing guest through an experience we shared in common at a venue for a convention. Her name is Claire Kumar. I'll share more about Claire in a minute. We were not there at the same time at this venue. In fact, she ended up leaving the conference before it even started, and she'll explain. In one of her posts I saw around the time of that event, she described herself as a highly sensitive person, an HSP. I consider myself to be highly sensitive as well. As long as I can remember, I've been highly sensitive to light, sound, noise, music, movement. Uh, I get motion sickness easily. I can't sleep without white noise or a fan of some kind in the room. I'm sensitive to my environment and I can feel energy in the room. So when I learned Claire's expertise is in productivity and well-being for sensitive professionals, I knew we'd have a lot to discuss. Claire helps professionals become burnout proof. And one of my recent episodes on burnout has been one of the most popular. It was on boss burnout specifically. So check that one out in case you missed it. I also did uh, a recent episode on making work easier and increasing productivity by putting good systems in place in your organization. Um, And so that one was called Smart Ways to Systematize Your Business with David Jennings. He's author of Systemology uh, based in Australia. So kind of building on that theme of being productive and creating ease and well-being in your work, I'm happy to introduce Claire Kumar. Claire is on a mission to create happy spaces that produce inclusive and sustainable performance. She's based in Toronto, Canada, and she's had experience as an entrepreneur, a productivity coach organizational expert and inventor. She's been featured in Huffington Post, The Globe and Mail, Fast Company, and other media. I especially like Claire's invitation to help leaders rethink the kinds of environments that they create in more ways than one to bring out the best in everyone. As she says, everyone deserves a happy space to be productive. So learn what you can do in your own leadership role to help make that happen. Enjoy my conversation with Claire Kumar. Welcome to CEO on the Go podcast. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be with you, Gail. 
Yes, I know we met under kind of unusual circumstances. Well, we didn't actually meet in an event, but we were at a similar venue for a while and and learned there that we have a lot in common in terms of how we like to help organizations. So I would love to, to hear what you're going to share with us today about how to create productive workspaces, uh, create our happy space at work. And, um, you know, I thought before we launch in, though, it would be worth mentioning that what we share in common is being HSPs, highly sensitive people. And that might be a good segue to help kind of set the stage for what we're going to be talking about today. Not that it's specifically about that, but that's kind of what what we realized we had in common. So do you want to say a little bit about that first? I'd love to. Yeah, that's what brought us together. Because just to give people an idea of our point of connection, we both visited a resort where the convention was being held. And it was a sensory overwhelming experience. Now, Gail was able to navigate that and stay for the conference. I spent (laughs) Although I left early. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right? Um, And I I went there and and, and just to preface this, I've been through eight weeks of, 18 weeks of construction noise from the people below me in my condo. And so I was already feeling like I had asked for, you know, this will be successful for me if I have a quiet room. So I had a, I tried to plant the seeds six weeks before the the venue would not work with me prior. They're just like, come on the day and ask. Well, we tried three rooms, could not find a quiet room. So within two hours, I had made a decision not going to attend the conference. Thankfully, got a refund for all of that. Not staying four more nights at the hotel. We were going to stay that night and then we were out of there. And so... So we connected over the fact that I I had posted a little bit about this in social media and we connected over the fact, yeah, we're highly sensitive people. So what does that mean? It maybe sounds like we're difficult and hard to please, but (laughs) we're not. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. So there's, there's, this is a trait. This is a normal way of showing up in about one in five people. So leaders, as you're listening to this, think as we talk about this a little bit, who do I know? Maybe it's you. Maybe it's someone on your team. Maybe it's somebody in your family. It's certainly in your customer world. Who might have this trait? And the trait is, it's a neurodivergent way of being, which means that we're not the atypical brain. So we have to speak up for ourselves a little bit to be understood. And that's part of why I do what I do. Now, the trait has, I like to break it down into four elements which I call the seed model of high sensitivity. And really quick, there are positives and challenges, strengths and struggles to each one of these items. I'll give you them real quick. S is sensitivity to stimuli. Now we were in that conference center and it was uh, a massively beautiful, beautiful, beautiful space to the eye, an auditory torture. There were, it was like a four-story atrium, a couple and several connected atriums full of waterfalls. Now, I don't want to go chasing waterfalls indoors. I'll tell you that right now, way too loud. So that plus piped in music plus 92% capacity and no ability to escape from that sound. And the and the people, the echo of just people talking and That's right. music playing, all of that. Yes. Yeah. I mean, stellar, beautiful, but you know, we need to have some cues about a space and we need to have spaces that everyone can feel comfortable in. And I can say right here, HSPs, not a place that you're going to naturally relax in, especially for a long period of time. We need to have our pockets of peace. So our strength in, in the sensitivity is sensitivity to stimuli brings 
an amazing awareness, it also brings an incredible amount of overwhelm. So we have to watch those two. The first E, and you want leaders with this trait, absolutely, empathy. We need that in this climate where we've all been through so much. Uh, the challenge with empathy is that we can feel so much that we can become emotionally exhausted. The second E is emotional responsiveness. And so we will be very keenly tuned in to what is going on for us, our emotions. They will pop up. We will be so in touch with them. If we are not well-regulated, rested, centered, grounded, then it's possible that we might unleash a little. We might not say the best thing at the best time, right? And D is for depth of processing. So we might take a little more time to connect all the dots because our, our brains are firing and we're pulling up all the connections. If you want problem solvers, like deep, rich, creative thinkers, look to your highly sensitive people. The struggle part, analysis paralysis, overthinking, perfectionism. So the, the trade itself, I think, is if we can learn how to really recognize the trait for ourselves, regulate, control what we can, and then advocate effectively, whew, we can be the highest achieving members on your team. Good. Well, I appreciate you sharing more information about it because some people are not as familiar as, as they might need to be about HSP. And it really helps, like I said, segue into the conversation today about how to create the best space to do your best work. And so I know that you have a, a lot of great thoughts to share, starting with some of the beliefs that that we need to be thinking about when it comes to leadership. This, that's why I'm so glad to bring this to a leadership audience so that they can can create their best impact when it comes to helping make the best space for people to do that kind of work. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's a beautiful opportunity here. And I want to just lay down a couple of assumptions. Um, number one is that leaders really want to get the best out of their people. Can't argue with that, right? Number two, that employees want to make their richest contributions without burning out. And you heard the challenges that I was explaining over overwhelm and emotional exhaustion, the propensity, we are the quickest to burn out. So if you want to hold us on your team, here's a couple of things to think about, a few facts to lay down. And the first one relates purely to productivity. Productivity is personal. So I've worked as a coach on organization and productivity for over 15 years now and working with individuals and teams and atypical and atypical minds and typical minds, we see that we process information differently. We work better in different environments. We think about different things. We have different preferences. And that open concept office that many of us were invited to be in was really defeating for many, many people. And even the construct of the five-day week and the long workday and a commute on top of it. This is why I think we've seen such uh, an appetite and uh, an tenuous hold on the commitment to stay um, and hold on to the ability to re work remotely for at least part of the week. Like, don't take that away from me. I can hear people singing it. Yeah, we still need that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so productivity is personal. Um, flexibility is inclusivity. When we understand that people manage work and life integration very differently. I mean, we know that, you know, a mom with kids who are of school age and school was shut down 
was getting up early to do work before helping her kids go through online school and then coming back to work at night. There was, and, and somebody that was older and potentially living alone was suffering from loneliness through the pandemic. Um, young people sharing a 500 square foot condo with both people on Zoom calls were having their own kind of stress and had to navigate differently. So we know that work-life integration looks different and we know that productivity is personal and flexibility is inclusivity. So we've got opportunity now as leaders to think about how we want to design a work experience that it invites rich um, collaboration and focus on task. It also invites rich connection in a form that people will want to embrace and have an appetite for. So don't invite people back to the office in an eat at your desk culture. Don't invite people back in the office if you're going to be like one um, organization that had such a terrible leadership hybrid meeting with people talking over each other in the room that they said, no more hybrid meetings. It's all going to be over Zoom or it's going to be in person. So then if one person is away, you're in your office on Zoom calls all day stick a fork in my eye, right? Like, like, so how are you designing the experience? And that's maybe something to talk about what, you know, what we can do to make sure that people want to participate in the way we're designing work. Yeah, I would love to, to talk more about that. Because I know in the clients that I'm working with, a number of them really want to build collaboration and engagement. And they often ask, how can how can I do that? How can I help facilitate that with my people? And a lot of what what I talk to them about, is it, it can't be mandated, you can't just say now we're going to meet right and force it. So the space and the way in which they're leading has so much to do with it. So what are your thoughts on that? I think there's a bit of a balance. And I think that the more we are clear on making rich opportunities for collaboration and connection, then like I, I believe Salesforce does quarterly invite on-site meetings. So I don't know if in your experience, you've had those rich meetings, which you're coming together for two, three, four days, and you're really having that time where you're, yeah, you're working on things, but you also have the around that time, which is when you're building the relationships. And I mean, 25 years ago, I worked in an organization with a dispersed across the country team. We, I wasn't working from home then. It started about 20 years ago. And I always found those opportunities so rich, so valuable because we cared for each other as people. And then we're like, I've got your back, Gail. You know, then we have, you know, we had an opportunity, but I always saw by end of Q2, Q3, those travel budgets were cut and our connection opportunities were challenged. So I remember it was about 2000. I came up with the idea, we need an intranet where we can connect a work about people as humans. Like I wanted to see you and I wanted to see if you wanted to post about pets and kids and things you were interested in. So we had more points of connection. That was uh, before Facebook. Well, <laughs> yeah. like, well I, I was going to go back to your comment about, you know, creating rich meetings and how it, that's so different from what I see so many other leaders doing, you know, not not on purpose, but creating the dreaded meeting where they're filling time with back to back PowerPoint presentations, or they're trying to fill space with information, thinking, well, we've got people all together now. So we need to, quote, cover all of these things. And so I love what you're saying about kind of building in that space for for freedom to talk and engage with each other really informally. 
as part of that, that, you know, three day meeting, so to speak. So yeah, that's what I would highly recommend. And then you maybe you don't ask for a daily commute of three hours. But you're asking for and offering that richer connection. So I'm hearing a lot of organizations, well, we're mandating three days back in the work in the week. That's not going to make anybody feel like they have a ton of flexibility. It's it's going to add a little bit um, of catch your breath days, but it's not giving the autonomy that honestly, our respected brains deserve. Um, Because here's the thing too, if we look at how we manage a day, we have a circadian rhythm and there are ebbs and flows in our energy during the day. You know what? There's ebbs and flows in the week. Um, the story hasn't come out yet, but I was just interviewed by the Globe and Mail in Canada and it was talking about the, the fact that the top two most productive days in the week are Monday, Tuesday. And what should we do with this information? What, how should we fix Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Right? That's the idea. And I'm like, well, okay, I'll propose that we try and win Wednesday, hashtag win Wednesday, if we can, to boost a little of that um, hump day attitude and maybe turn it into jump day instead. But my question was back to the journalist, do we really need to fix it? Can we allow for this ebb and flow? Can we remember that we're human animals, not robots? And can we allow for that? And what, or what do we, what do we want to do? Because I think it is completely unrealistic to think that we're going to be hundred meter sprinters every hour of every part of the week. In fact, you know, the most we really have deep concentration and focus is three to four hours a day. You look at Steven Spielberg as a writer, three to four hours a day. He wasn't doing an eight hour day writing because The brain doesn't, it doesn't support that. And we are asked to be creative contributors and do all that creative thinking. And we're asked to DIY, book your own travel, do your own expenses, manage your own, like so much DIY now, since there's very few assistants to support most of us. Um, There's a lot that we're just expected to manage and we don't have enough downtime, pauses, thinking time. This is one of the reasons I, I railed at uh, hashtag noisy Nashville and yeah. the conference. <laughs> I really believe there was no time to possibly think in that place because of the noise. So we need these hashtag po- pockets of peace to be embedded in our physical structures, to be embedded in our schedule and the way we think about designing our space and our schedule so that we have time to think, we have time to reflect, we have time to plan and strategize and be intentional about how we're working and how we're leading both. Yeah, absolutely. I think creativity is needed now more than ever. And so to find ways to foster that in your environment um, and your thinking environment and when you're around people and when you're by yourself um, is just so important to do. Speaking of which, if you're by yourself, I'm sure we have some people who are listening in, maybe individual contributors, leaders that are leading from home. I know I have some clients that are all virtual, so they, they have very little time together in person. What would you say to those people who, who might be more kind of solopreneurs and wanting to create the right environment for themselves? Oh, great question. And I think it's been lacking in society. I, I talk about um, a concept of workplace myopia, where work has filled and filled and filled and expanded the working hours of the day and beyond, right? We know about blurred boundaries um, through research extending. And of course, when we were stuck in our homes with nowhere to go, it was like, well, I know you have nothing else to do at seven o'clock, so let's still be working. I think we've really suffered from building local relationship. 
And if you, there's a book um, called Together by um, Dr. Vivek Murthy, he's the Surgeon General in the US, and he was the 19th and the 21st. And after his 19th tour, he wrote this book because he realized this was the number one issue. And this is pre-pandemic, that loneliness and lack of connection. And I just spoke to um, Pete, I think it's Bombachi. He's uh, uh, in Canada and he's leading the Genwell movement. He's just been granted fund and funding by the Canadian um, government to research connection in Canada because we're recognizing that connection is a problem. So that flexibility that I'm talking about that needs to be in a day, it needs to allow for lunch in your local cafe. It needs to allow for making time for connection in our neighborhood. So, I mean, it can extend to work and potentially uh, remote working um, hubs and things like that where we build connection, but on a more local level. So trade that three hour commute where you're sitting with your headphones on or listening to radio in your car and put it into exercise, richer relationships, healthier food choices. There are so much that comes back from taking that time and using it for a rich, uh, fulfilling life of which connection is, is an, a really powerful part. Mm, yeah, that's, that's great advice something I'm constantly working on myself. And um, I, I love the way that I work. And, and I always encourage leaders who are working with their teams to get to the point where they can, can love their environment too in the way in which they work. Sometimes there might be the criticism that, you know, with the emphasis on flexibility, we all need to be so flexible that employees just need to kind of get with the program and this is what it is and, you know, be adaptable. And so here's, here's our space. Here's, here's how you've got to work. What would you say, I guess, to, to help create a little more grace for people who may have some struggles kind of fitting in with whatever the office environment is. You know, I, I hear some leaders saying, well, you know, he never comes to the office anymore. We're really trying to get him here, but he just won't make it, you know, those kinds of thoughts. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why that might be. So one of the invitations is to stay curious, right? Check your bias and maybe an assumption that you work in a certain way, so therefore someone else should work in a certain way. I'll give you one quick example um, that I use in my own sort of blindness. Um, I have a publicist and we've worked together really successfully for many years. And we have a different way of accounting for things. And I use um, an accounting software and I wanted to build out one invoice that would look at the whole project. And my publicist was looking at per sponsor for each media tour that we do, she would have one invoice per sponsor. And it was, she had a way of doing it that worked with her other clients. And I, because I have one year in finance, it's scarred me forever. I'm like, no, we need to tag things. We need to line things up. I need to do this in a project management sort of way. And I, I could see we were disconnecting and I wasn't being able to explain it to her. So I said, let's just get on a Zoom call and I'll share my screen with you and I'll show, show you the invoice and the spreadsheet. And she was just like, no, no, that is like for her hell on earth. So I said, oh, I thought, okay, so that would work for me, but it doesn't work for her. So I had to evolve and think more broadly, what would help her understanding comfort in an area where she's just not a numbers girl. She's super creative, super great at relationships. Numbers, like she had something that worked for her and we needed to evolve to something that would work for both of us. We needed some creative thinking and I needed to, to be creative in how we were going to discuss it. And so I think leaders need to recognize you've got introverts and extroverts, for example, right? 
you've got introverts that have probably loved the chat function because they could say something without having the camera on them, right? We need to think about encouraging that feeling of, yes, we need uh, physiological safety. I call that the three safeties. We need physiological safety. We need the air to be clean and the surfaces white, but the air to be clean, people. This is what we've noticed, but really little conversation about that part. We've needed uh, psychological safety so we can re speak up when we've got something to bring to the table. We also need neurological safety so that we are not creating an environment of stress or overwhelm. I went to my doctor's office yesterday and the pharmacist, pharmacist has a separate locked space and their security alarm was going off and they weren't coming in for another hour and a half. I'm like, I will be outside. I won't stay. I can't stay in this waiting room while this beeping was going on. So that's what I mean, especially when I'm talking about high sensitivity and neurodivergent people with ADHD, autism, dyslexia, PTSD, which there's like a mild dose of PTSD in everybody right now, anxiety, stress. Yeah, all of that leads to a more stressed nervous system. So we need to think about that neurological safety in what we're offering. And uh, if we think about those three things, yeah, we really want to design experiences that people want to be part of. And then we want to invite them to contribute in a way that makes them feel and actually be safe in an ongoing way, right? And so, yes, we want to allow our introverts to have a way of participating. We want to allow a little bit more time for our deep thinkers to, to raise some thoughts. When, you know, you raised a point about, um, do I want to use this meeting to bring everybody on the same page and take them to a presentation? Or do I want to send a slide deck out do I want to send a Loom video of me going through the slide deck so there's audio, visual, um, a multimedia presentation? And do I want to use that meeting time to actually talk and invite video commentary and text commentary uh, about that, having allowed some time for processing of that information? So how do we design that? Yeah. And the other point I want to make about inclusivity and flexibility, and I hope this is really heard, is there are always immune compromised employees and way beyond that are the immune compromised members of the employee's family so um this could be my situation um i'm waiting to hear about a medication that i might actually have to take um, i'm hoping not but if i have to take it my world radically changes and my ability to be safe in an environment where there's a respiratory challenge means I can't go a lot of places. And so are you thinking about and how do you have these discussions or invite someone to feel so psychologically safe, they can say, and I know a client in this situation now, my husband's going through a cancer treatment with chemotherapy, he has no immune system right now. How can I keep him safe? How can your invitation for me to contribute at work and stay as a rich contributor with all that I have to offer? But how can I keep my family safe at the same time. And so I want leaders to think about, are you creating the safe space for conversation? So an employee can say, I, I will be able to participate in this way. Can we anticipate the barriers that people might be facing? Can we suggest solutions that we're aware of and can we commit to better knowing people? Yeah, that really speaks to the ripple effect that so many leaders have that they may not even realize just how how far and wide they can reach people. 
Yeah, I spoke to one CEO recently, um, and we were having a conversation about hybrid work. And he said, you know, I just, I really love having people in the office because when I step outside my office, I have these two minute conversations with people and they really, they're, they're so insightful. And I'm like, your two minute conversation, great. But at what cost? At what cost to that individual? If you're thinking everybody should just come in for my two minutes, it sounds, it's, yeah, it's wonderful to have that. But there are many, many reasons why people are reticent to be in the office full time. So the opportunity then becomes, how do I as a CEO have an opportunity to interact with more people? Are you doing informal drop-ins? Is there a way that you're making yourself available for the people to connect in a hybrid fashion so that they could join you? I remember going to, um, this was back at a telecom company, they had a CEO breakfast. And they had 15 people, you, you know, you, you applied to be one of the participants. There were 15 people around a table and it was an opportunity to ask questions. Well, maybe there's a way to do that and you'll get your insights. You're inviting it. Yeah. It goes back to creativity, finding new ways, new approaches, innovative ways to, to communicate and connect. So you've given us so many different ideas to think about. You know, it's like you're looking at the issue through so many different lenses, which is really what this conversation is all about, to help leaders be thinking through all angles of creating the happy space that they need to, to create the most productive environment. So as we're um, kind of wrapping up our conversation today, I'd just love to know what you might recommend to leaders as takeaways or action steps that, that can help them really make a positive impact in the way that they want to in this area? Yeah, thank you for that question. I've been giving leadership workshops all through the pandemic, and I close with one thought, and I'm, I'm going to offer it here. This is based on my work looking at inclusivity around disability and how do we, how do we invite that rich performance from a, the biggest cross-section of people. And it's to stay curious. It's to, to ask this one question, what do you need to succeed? What do you need to succeed? And I touched on it briefly, the ask model, anticipate the challenges and the barriers that someone might be facing. So suggest the solutions you already know about and know, commit to knowing your people. And this will trickle down, right? So at, invite each leader to really better know their team members because then we can anticipate better. We can be those leaders that are going to invite the richest opportunities for collaboration, the flexibility that someone needs. When we understand a little bit more, we then can hold on to the compassion that I hope every leader is bringing to their work and to their team. Compassion and curiosity together will serve us uh, so well. Yeah, what a great point to end on. Thank you so much for sharing your insight and wisdom. And like I, I said, as we started out helping educate people more about HSPs, uh, I think that that was an interesting way to connect. I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to, to meet and to bring this conversation to my audience. So what is the best way for people to, to reach you, Claire? Well, my website is easy, clairekumar.com. Easy. You can find everything there. But I really love to highlight a movement that I'm um, getting off the ground. It's called the Happy Space Movement. And there is a podcast an online community. There's a quiz to find out if you're highly sensitive and you can find all of that. It's on my website, but real easy is happyspacepod.com. Happyspacepod.com. That's right. Awesome. 
Good. Well, again, thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to continuing our conversation at some point. And for everyone else listening in, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week creating your happy space to help make your work as productive as it can be. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be sure to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. You can join my email list by going to workmatters.com so you don't miss an episode. And there you can learn more about ways we serve mission-driven leaders like you. If there's a challenge you want to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, keep growing as a leader, inspiring change, and doing the work that matters to you.